Ugh, I'm bored. Isn't there something to do around here? I'm gonna go crazy. Ugh. What's this weird book sticking out of the shelf? DTP Brigade? <laughs> what is it? Some kind of journal? Lame. What's this say inside the cover? Warning, the DTP Brigade and their adventures may contain strong language and content not suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, this log has well-kept spoilers of the first season of The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, various parts of the Haruhi franchise, as well as other anime series. You Use caution in case you find something in this log you haven't finished watching yet. Huh. And finally, the opinions expressed are those of the authors of this log and do not affect the entire DTP brigade as a whole. Hmm. This thing may not be so lame after all. May even cure my boredom. Alright, DTP Brigade, let's learn all your little secrets. Let's see. I bet this was written by a time traveler. No, wait. Maybe, maybe they wrote it about encountering espers. No, no. Got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. They got abducted by aliens and they got their minds probed or something. And maybe there was some other weird experiments and then they had the. No, I. Okay. Here it is. There's this girl who thinks she's a god and she tries to get all this other weird shit to happen in her life because she's also Hello one and all and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of time travelers, aliens, and espers all get together and talk about the latest and greatest in English anime dubs. I am your host for tonight, the one and only master of manliness and world-renowned Esper Spaceman Hardy. And tonight, I am joined by my usual usual partners in crime, the OGs, consisting of human interface Megan and time traveler Stephanie. Tonight is a special night, because lucky for you, boys and girls, we're going back in time. Yes, far, far back to the distant past. All the way back to the year 2006. That doesn't seem too long ago. <laughs> I was in high school! I was also in high school. <laughs> I dropped out of college. But anyways, <laughs> yes, friends, tonight we will be covering the English dub of a show that was so popular, so renowned, and so revered back in its heyday that for a brief period of time it even inspired its own pseudo-religion and had anime fans, young and old, embarrassingly flailing about while trying to copy its complicated dance moves long before Fortnite was even a thing. I forgot about the religion part, actually. God damn it, I forgot. Haruhiism was a thing. I forgot! I am, of course, referring to the one and only cultural phenomenon that is the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. I would like to say that my my anime religion of choice is I am a, a follower of the Church of Madoka. God, oh really? No, 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 not now, not ever. Fuck that noise. <laughs> oh, come on. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, a brief plot description is as follows. On the first day of high school, a beautiful girl named Haruhi Suzumiya introduces herself as having no interest in ordinary humans. She asks for any aliens, aliens blah, time travelers, sliders, or espers to join her. Watching her strange behavior is Kyon, who sits in front of Haruhi and is the only person who actually talks to her. 
when Kion comments about how Haruhi joins every club in school only to quit immediately afterward, he unwittingly gives Haruhi the idea to start her own after-school club. Thereafter, Kion and several others find themselves dragged, quite literally, into the spreading excitement all over the world with Haruhi Suzumiya Brigade, or the SOS Brigade for short. So a few things to note before we begin. As this is a classics episode, we will not be making predictions, as this dub predates our podcast by a solid eight years or so. By a lot. Uh, <laughs> a lot, yeah. Secondly, in this particular episode, we will only be reviewing what is considered to be season one of the show, meaning we will not be covering <clears throat> the 2009 renewal or season two of The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, the TV spinoff The Melancholy of Haruhi-chan Suzumiya, the movie sequel The Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, or the alternate universe spinoff The Disappearance of Nagato Yuki-chan. Say that five times fast. I this, know. however... I'm not going to try it. <laughs> yeah. This, however, is not particularly going to be an issue as the main cast of characters stays completely consistent throughout the entirety of the franchise, which is convenient. With that in mind, let's start things off, as always, with our ADR director and our scriptwriter. Can I just say real quick, though, not gonna lie, when I watched this, when I was about to watch this show for this episode, I got so confused as to what order I'm supposed to watch this fucking show. I'm not gonna lie, the Funimation re-release of this show makes it a nightmare to watch. I was like, how does this work? I don't understand, and I think I asked like 20 times for clarification between the three of us. There are three official ways to watch the show. There's broadcast order, which is all over the place. Um, and then there's the DVD release cast order, which is basically in chronological order, except the episode double zero is first. And then there's the 2009 rebroadcast order, which is also in chronological order. And it is just episode one through episode 28 straight through. And that's the way that Funimation has it laid out. I think we barely... So there's I certain think we episodes all... you have to go back and skip. I think we almost... I think essentially we followed the DVD release order minus zero... Zero being the first one rather than yeah. later on. What we did, the original Bondi DVD release had double zero on the first disc as the first episode, and ah. then it went chronologically from there. Okay, interesting. So, I, speaking of that, yeah. I'm the only one of us apparently who still owns parts of that. Thank you, 15-year-old mm -hmm. me. I rented it from the comic book store like 11 years ago when it was being originally released on Bondi DVDs. I remember being so. a filthy pirate and watching the show, but this is me in high yep. school. This is me in high school not knowing better, of course. Right. Oh. And things have different. But anyways, uh, let's go on to our ADR director and scriptwriter, and things are going to be very simple because we have two directors, a main director and a co-director, and our main director is Eric P. Sherman, and our co-director is Alex Von David. And it's convenient because both of these also did the ADR script. Uh, for Eric Sherman, he's directed other shows such as Chobits, Gungrave, and Samurai Champloo, and he has written shows such as Rurouni Kenshin, Last Exile, and Magic Knight Ray Earth Season 2. Uh, Alex Von David has both directed and written such shows such as, most recently, such as Blue Exorcist, Kill la Kill, uh, Madoka Magica, and also a little show you may have heard of, 
called Sword Art Online. <laughs> Although we don't judge him for that. Don't you dare bring this evil into my house. What is interesting is that this is actually the first time we've ever spoken about Eric Sherman on this show. Yeah. We have, we have never brought him up. Um, he's mainly thought of as a producer because he owns Bang Zoom. Um, it is his ah, company. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. So while he's still getting credits, he's not actually doing any active directing or writing. Um, so it's interesting being able to talk to because he's mainly known not really for his directing and writing, but for a few comments he made of made a few years back about some rival companies that didn't sit very well. So with that in mind, let's uh, let's talk about this, uh, the direction and script for this show. Um, Megan, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I can't really compare the Japanese to the English for this because, God almighty, 2006, I was just starting high school, but I was, like, fucking obsessed with this show. Like... I, I, like, I, one of my vivid first, uh, convention memories was I went to a convention in Orlando called Anime Festival Orlando, which still goes on to this day, and there was a anime name that tune contest, and if you've ever seen Haruhi Suzumiya before, uh, you know the opening, if you've ever listened to the opening, it starts off with this very distinctive, like, shooting star twinkle. Mm-hmm. I knew I had listened to the full version of that song so much that if you just played that one second, I would know what song it was. And that's and even I before s- the bell comes in. Yup. I'm glad that was and I the scared it. Challenge. I I literally scared a group of grown men because I was this little tiny fat 15 year old girl. I was like, ha ha ha, bitch. Um, but no, I think the writing and the directing on this. Uh, holds up surprisingly well for an almost an almost like ten to twelve year old dub. Eleven. Eleven year old dub, which yeah. is really hard to say because the core cast of the SOS Brigade is such a strong core cast of actors that it's almost impossible to ask who would do it better than X as X character, and. The writing on the show, I think, also plays with it being fast and loose. Because Haruhi is a show that, for better or for worse, depending on how you see it, is a show that does meta humor. It is a show that points out very openly, this is a trope that is done to moe girls. It throws those terms around. So I think keeping the spirit of that, but allowing your actors to be a little bit more loose with some of the jokes um for example there's one very infamous one by Keon where i think he sees mikuru's boobs <laughs> and he makes a certain just, mcdonald's reference and he's yes! just like supersize me i was going to bring that up actually. and the delivery and the delivery of it is fantastic by the way because it's just like oh supersize me and then there's um we mentioned episode double zero which is hysterical because the actor who plays Keon gets to do the wonderful thing of acting without lip flaps for an entire episode. <laughs> and the writing on that is still really funny. And I was surprised how much this held up, the writing of the dub at least, which I'm not gonna lie and say that this isn't my this is my favorite show in the world, but I thought it wasn't going to hold up as 
well as it could, because I've just heard from a lot of people who sit and rewatch Haruhi from when they're in high school to when they're an adult, they realize they do not like this show. Let's be clear, Haruhi is an awful, awful person. Mm-hmm. They're all awful people. There's a lot of stuff that makes me uncomfortable. We'll get to Mikuru in a bit. Oh, in a bit. But I won't lie that this show also has some really cool set pieces, like for an early Kyoto animation show. And by early, I mean, like, before they literally started making 10,000 K-On! clones. Before they... Before, personally, they pulled their head out of their ass and made stuff like Free and Beyond the Boundary and got me back on their good side. Um, But I think Alex and Mr. Sherman did a really great job with this. And I was just really surprised how well this held up over the years. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good. Um, Stephanie, what did you have to think? Uh, so, do you remember my big writing pet peeve that I always talk about? Constantly? Like get bent slang. Yeah, the slang in terms that could potent- potentially date the script. And I'm yeah. glad you brought up the super size me bit. <laughs> um, cause come on. No offense, that was still really funny. No offense, that yeah. that was that was hilarious. Like um It's hysterical in and out of context. It's see, my thing is is because of course we of this generation are aware of the reference supersized yeah, but that's... what it is. But Oh yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think McDonald's still uses that phrase. I mean, so. I don't hear it that much from them, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I don't. I think it got kind of like once. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Super Size Me, yeah, I think like once that came out, they kind of started getting rid of it. Yeah, that's the yeah. other thing. You know what I mean? And so we may understand the reference, but what if there's someone younger who watches the show and they don't understand the reference? So, like, I can appreciate the looseness kept in the script, and in all honesty, to me. I think it actually still holds up fairly well. There are moments where it, at least to me, it seems like the direction might be a little off in terms of scenes or context. And then the script, like I was saying, in those kinds of cases where it's like me being iffy about it. I know, I think Harry had the pronunciation for Moe as Moa. Oh yeah, like it. Yeah, like... That was weird to me in the first episode, but then again, it's also been 11 years, and we actually have a more accurate pronunciation of Moe, so I can't really put too much blame on the show for that, but it was still very jarring, <laughs> all things considered, but I I will agree with Megan that I think, I also think that you honestly can't replace the cast at all. Like, this is a great, fun cast. There are moments where some of the performances can borderline obnoxious. But even then, it's like, you can't... I can't really see this being done any other way. Especially with Kion. Kion, the snarky motherfucker. <laughs> he, well, we'll get to him. He's a great character, and I love him so much. Also, Kion mm-hmm. and Koizumi, my OTP. <laughs> Just throw oh, it have out. You seen we'll the, get to that story. <laughs> have you seen the AMV for the Avril Lavigne AMV of, of Kion and Koizumi? No, I no. haven't. 
Oh, we'll have to show it to you. Yes. It's, it's hilarious. We'll show it I was going to say, if you, want a, if you want a really good AMV with Haruhi in it, um, I ship it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the... Besides Skittles, I ship it's, like, the thing I associate with Haruhi the most. Oh, my right. God. But anyway, I think, anyway. I, I think that... it In general, the dub still holds up pretty well today. There's just some minor things here and there in terms of performances borderline obnoxious at points and then again my constant worries and pet peeves about scripting wise and possibly dating itself so those are really the only like little small things that worry me and trouble me but overall I honestly think that still holds up pretty well today as someone who's because the first time I watched her he was in high school and I have not seen it since it's been wow. a long time since I've seen it. And I think I watched mm. it originally, uh, it might have been 2007, 2008 when I watched it. So for me, it was at least 10 years ago since I've seen the show. Yeah. So coming back. Yeah, I'm within coming, the 10 years range. Yeah, coming back to it for this, it was, it was very interesting to see like how I would feel about it several years later because... Personally, at that time, that was when I was, like, really starting to discover anime. And, like, Fruits Basket, Haruhi, uh, Vampire Night was one where I was Oh, God, shit. please don't ever mention that it's, abomination on Shoujo. See, see it's, it's true, though, that it was among one of the first that I discovered and watched and got obsessed with. So, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, now probably Vampire Night is like the Sword Art Online of Shoujo. <laughs> it really is. You heard it here fo first, folks. It also has out. I'm not gonna lie. It also has one of the worst dubs I've ever listened to. I mean, I, when I watched it in high school, it was in Japanese. There wasn't a dub yet for it. Thank God. Uh, the dub of Vampire Night is fucking awful. I'm uh, sorry. Oh no, I've heard some of it. It's 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 not fun. But yeah, I think it's I think in general, at least for Haruhi, it's still the pretty well today. Um, it's just if if you were to get newer, younger viewers like to watch it, I would I'm personally just curious to know how they would feel about it. Considering like we as like older twenty to thirty somethings, we've seen the show before, we know about it, we know some of the jokes, and I'm I'm just curious to know what someone younger than that would see and get out of a show like this, you know what I Man, mean? Man, this anime is ripping off anime gotteries, is what I would hear. Like, Probably. No, what I what I really um, Im would impress me is that I'm able to pick up more jokes now that it's 11 years later. Yeah. And I've had more exposure to to some of the shows that they reference. Like, How many of us were ever back 10 years ago going to get the Yamato Galactic Heroes joke? No. Exactly. No, and, and what's or funny the Ace is, Attorney joke. What's funny is I pointed both of those out. It was the greatest thing ever. Oh, no. I got the Yamato joke myself. Thank you. Yeah, no, but I, I, said, saw the, uh, I said pictures, though. The Ace, Attor yeah. the Ace I, Attorney I, one for sure, though. That was me. I didn't pick. I did not pick up the Ace Attorney one at first because when I, I watched picked it, it up immediately. I, I picked. I was like, "Oh, that's an Ace Attorney game." I'm like, "Oh my oh, god!" Yeah. It was like Haruhi was Phoenix, and then Koizumi was Edgeworth. I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> this is the their best. movements were like exact one for it one. Was great. Yeah, like some of the jokes, like we wouldn't know, like when we originally watched it years ago, we do get that now, which is great. 
And so, yeah, I think that has that speaks to the staying power of mm-hmm. the dub and how strong it is. Watching it today, I think the cast and the direction and the acting really holds up really well. Um, I personally wasn't bothered by any of the slang, even though it is 11 years old. I think it's still relevant today. Maybe not so much in another 11 years from now, but um, but yeah, I think as a show, it still has a lot of problems that we may not have picked up on our first viewing yeah. that we notice now. But um, but yeah, I think it still holds up really well. Uh, the dub more so than the show itself, I would say. The dub, um, yes. The show, maybe not so much. Yeah, you're right. The, the, the issue I had with the dub is that they were inconsistent with pronunciation of certain characters' name, mm. mainly the way that Haruhi pronounce it, keeps going back and forth pronouncing Mikuru. Oh yeah, as sometimes Mikuru she or says she says Mikuru, sometimes she says Mikuru, and she can't seem to make up her mind. And I think that was that was the main thing that slipped up for me is mm-hmm. because. A director needs to tell his actors to stay consistent when pronouncing the characters' names. Right. And her in particular, she was just all over the place. It wasn't so much problem with Kion and the other characters as they just call her Miss Asahina. And they pronounced it always Asahina. Right. Um, but when it came to Haruhi and Mikuru, uh, they just, they're all over the place. Sometimes they say Mikuru, sometimes they say Mikuru, and it's like... One thing that's important of a dub is that you stay consistent with that sort of thing. And that is one of the main drawbacks I saw with it. Other than that, because everyone else's first names are pretty easy to pronounce, um, pretty straightforward. uh, Other than that, that was really the only main issue I had other than a few of the performances being grading at times. But we'll get to that when it comes down to the individual characters. So yeah, I'd have to say one thing I want to bring out is Sher- Eric Sherman himself never directed so many dubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Von David directed several, and after after um, the sequel seasons of this show came out, he proceeded to direct everything else that was Haruhi related. Um, oh yeah, even because co- he didn't he co-directed um, Nagato Yuki-chan, right? He co-directed Nagato with alongside Chris Sabat and right. Todd Haberkorn. Right. And uh, all the Bondi stuff he did himself. Uh, he directed it and wrote it. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to question just how much of this particular dub for this season one, how much of it was Alex and how much of it was Eric? Mm. Because That's Eric weird. was the head director and Alex was the co-director in this particular scene. And Alex's directing ability stands for itself we've seen his uh i mean even in sword art online even as much as we hate the show the dub, the dub is, is still, fantastic the, dub is, the dub is still really really solid yeah and going back into eric sherman's other history yes he's done stuff like last exile and gungrave which are really good but he's also done stuff like apocalypse zero and ninja cadets so apocalypse zero uh, i will never apocalypse for- zero is my favorite comedy anime yes no no no, I remember, because here's the fun story, kids. So, New Year's Eve, I think it was a couple years ago now. It was the three of us, and I think Noah, right? And yep. um, we were just like, we're, we don't have anything to do on New Year's Eve. Let's all just Skype together and watch a bunch of random shit. So, we we ha- we got our own alcohol, we had some drinks and everything like that. And we were I ordered a with pizza and ate the entire thing. 
And um, Hardy was like, you know what would be a great idea? And we're like, what? We're going to watch Apocalypse Zero. Oh my god, wait, what? <laughs> so we decided to. To be watch fair, Apocalypse Hardy Zero. also lost some and innocence that there, night. Yeah, at night. And this is at like. This uh, that's is, like, how Hardy watched the Tyrannical Murder OVA. Yes. This, yes, is, this yes. was. This was. Um, it was like 10, 11 o'clock at night when we were watching it. And <laughs> every time there was, a, there was like a scene where Hardy wanted us to bit like hear our reactions He's like oh wait it's coming it's coming and I'm just sitting here I'm like what the fuck's coming I don't understand like this isn't funny this isn't weird I'm just sitting here I'm like okay cool what what, what was the big one what was the big one was it um was it dragon dick or what the what the fuck was the it the dragon yeah. dick it was that one that was the one where Hardy's just laughing his ass off so I'm sitting here I'm like okay cuz he's just like this show is so fucked up and weird and I'm like okay I've seen worse. <laughs> and then I think. By the way, then we showed the dramatical murder OVA, and then then Hardy proceeded to just die on the inside. <laughs> hey Steph, by the way, you're gonna hate me. Oh God, what? So you know how I I kind of like I'm not gonna lie, I have to like fidget with my hands and poke on stuff sometimes when we're on uh when we're on recording. Yeah, I I understand. I so. So my thing to fidget with usually is gotcha games on my phone, and I'm not gonna lie that I just soloed a Natsuki you are. Wow. God damn it! What? What is it with this shit luck like of yours? Like, what the fuck? By the way, I want everyone to know that Megan has bullshit absurd gotcha luck. But no, the, the other thing I remember about that New Year's Eve... Was that when we rang in the new year, we were all... Isn't that the also the year you showed us Dime a Dollar? Yes! We watched that too! I can't remember. We watched... I think we only watched like one episode of it. I think it was... Yeah, because you after, wanted to show us... It was after Apocalypse Zero and it was after the Dramatical Murder OVA. It was... It was the first thing I watched in 2016 was... <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Dime a Dollar. It's fucking Dime a Dollar. But anyways, getting back on topic. Yeah, I think... Other than those, um, I think it's solid direction. I think it's solid writing. And uh, other than a few hiccups, I think it's stood the test of time for the past 11 years. So um, moving on, we are going to go to our first set of characters. Uh, they are three students who go to the same school as our main cast. We have Ryoko Asakura. We have Kunikita. And we have Taniguchi. Uh Ryoko is a very popular student at the school. I want to say she is... Let me pull Hot. her up real she, Yeah, she's very, very attractive. Uh, she is a compassionate, hardworking school. Uh, one of Kion's friends, Taniguchi, thinks she's the hottest girl in the class with a group with a grade of double A+. And she's very sweet, pretty, and athletic. But she has a deep, dark secret. The other two, Taniguchi and uh, Kunikita, are two of Kion's male friends. Uh, Taniguchi is a notorious lecher who's always lusting after the girls and basically being a giant pervert. Kunikita is shorter and much more quiet and more level-headed than his friend. Um, so playing these characters, Ryoko is played by Bridget Hoffman. Kunikita is played by Brienne Sidal. And Taniguchi is played by Sam Regal. Bridget Hoffman, you may remember as the titular role in Serial Experiments Lane. She was in the main character in Please Teacher and Twins. And she was also Raquel in Scrapped Princess. 
Brianne Sadal, you might remember as Calamon in Digimon Tamers, um, the main lead character in Dot Hack Side, and Jim Hawking in Outlaw Star. And Blue Sam Regal, you've heard recently as Mephistopheles in Blue Exorcist, Metal Bat in One Punch Man, and he's the new voice of Teddy in Persona 4. I can't believe Mephistopheles in the manga right now is showing Rin how his dad, his adopted dad banged. Oh, um, lovely. Wow. Ah, I love time travel. <laughs> That's a thing. It's like, haha, Fujimoto, you're free. Haha, what's he do immediately? Go fuck some woman. Uh, so I want to talk about Brienne and uh, Sam versus Kunikita and uh, Horny and Horny Boy. Mm-hmm. They're they're good. Obviously, you can tell Brienne is playing a more a boy whose balls maybe haven't totally dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, being shorter in stature, and normally it would bother me, but then again, she's also uh, Tommy in Digimon Tamer and Digimon Frontier, mm-hmm. and. That's one of my favorite one of that is my favorite season of Digimon and it reminded me a lot of that performance. So I wasn't too I wasn't too minding of it. Uh Sam was good as Horny Boy. Um he was horny. He was there. That's kind of his entire character. And he fell in the water too, so. And he fell in the water. And then uh, oh Bridget Hoffman, I want to say this. So if you've watched the Fate Zeros classic, I thought Bridget Hoffman was playing Eriesvale with an accent the entire time. No, that's just Bridget Hoffman. <laughs> Good job. Bravo. I Okay, I'm not going to lie. Fate Zero was the show, the first show I watched where she basically was around the entire time. Yeah, because it's weird because we don't get to talk about Bridget Hoffman all that much, actually. We don't get to talk about a lot of people in this show a lot. Bridget Hoffman, you don't really see pop up too, too much. And compared and to some you of the also, other characters here. You also, unfortunately, don't see uh, Brandis Sadal pop up way too much because of reasons that I don't want to say. But I, I really liked all of them, and especially Bridget Hoffman as the uh, girl with the secret. And I'm going to make a very bad joke when we get to another character about this. Oh, Lord. If I make the joke now, I'm spoiling who plays that character. That's why. Ah, I see. So, I really I really liked her. And I really liked when... How she never dropped because she... Okay, there's a spoiler warning. Because she's also an alien like Nagato. Yes. How she never drops her cheery persona even though she's trying to fucking murder Kion. It's just the most natural and thing. I'm in the not world gonna lie, when I watched great. that whole se- yeah, when I watched that sequence, I was like, damn, this holds up so well for an eleven year for a a twelve year old show. I was like, oh my god, I love this part. This is so cool, and I really loved all of her performance. And then when when Nagato kind of pulls the checkmate on her, and yes. she's like, oh, well, I've been defeated. Oh well. Oh well, bye. <laughs> Bye. I'll take you down with me. Nagato's like, fuck you, bitch. No. <laughs> Nagato, Nagato doesn't. We'll get to Nagato, but yeah, I really liked all of them, and especially Brianna. That's it all. Bridget Hoffman. I don't really have a lot to say f- about Brienne and Sam, because they're just kind of there. <laughs> Though, to to give credit, they both have very distinctive voices that kind of help give personality and life to these two otherwise very minor characters um especially sam regal because it's weird (coughs) um i think 
Sam Rigo, very early, early on for me, was one of those voices that I rec can recognize. I think, I can't remember what the other, sh I watched Haruhi, and then I don't remember what I had watched not too long after that. But I was just like... Was it Lucky wait. Star? Because wasn't he the guy in the Lucky Channel? Yes, I he was. I have never seen Lucky Star. He was Minoru Shiraishi, who the actual actor Minoru Shiraishi is in the live action end credits for Lucky Star in the second half. I've never seen Lucky Star. Like, I'm just taking random peek. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, in all honesty, like... Oh! It was Fate Stay Night. Ah, that's right. That's where it was. Was it? He, which, he the, was Shiro. Uh, he was he the was original Shiro voice of the Shiro. Original. Before He's, Bryce took over. Ah. Yes. That's where it was. Because I remember I watched Fate Stay Night. So he was the original pe when people die when they are killed. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, considering these, Brienne and Sam have very, very distinctive voices. It gave a lot of life and personality to these characters. Bridget Hoffman. I think this is the... Is this the first time we're... No, because you talked about her at Fate Zero, right? Yeah, we talked about her as fate in Fate Zero. I, I, I was just about to make a mistake of, we've never talked about her before, and I'm like, you just said five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but um, we don't get to talk about her enough, I feel, because we don't get to see her enough, which is kind of a shame, because I really liked her performance as Asakura. Very bubbly, full of energy, and pep to her. She's, she has so much girly girl energy and as the popular girl in the class but like you were saying megan it's also very very funny when we when she flips that switch into alien mode and she still has that peppy personality like oh but this is what we need to do in order to further progress this we need to was just so we I want to see how hard how her he reacts if we kill her he's cat then she'll get angry <laughs> i'm wondering how she will react if we kill you Clearly, she seems close to you, and she just still has that energy. It's fantastic, and her her um, interactions with Nagato are also a lot of fun too. I do enjoy all these performances. I the characters of of um, Kita and Taniguchi don't stand out on their own as characters, but they do stand out in terms of Brienne and Sam's performances. And Bridget Hoffman, Bridget Hoffman is a delight. As Asakura, mm -hmm. so I enjoyed them all very much. Yeah. I'm just going to mirror what you two said. Um, basically, all three of these characters don't really have much of an appearance in the anime. Um, Kunikita and Taniguchi sort of worked as the comic foil compared to Kion. Um, and so, but they do their jobs and they do them well. And Bridget Hoffman has always had that really breathy, like, flighty voice that can be grating at times if she's not cast as the proper character. But I think this time she really, really did a great job. She brings this sort of otherworldliness to Asakura that, uh, that really works well. Moving on from these three, uh, we're going to move to another pair of characters, and we're probably not going to stay too long on them. Uh, they are linked together over... Well, we have Suryu... Surya, sorry who is one of Mikuru's best friends and classmates. And we also have Kion's little sister, who has no official name, as Kion himself doesn't really have an official name. It's just a nickname. And these two really have only one thing in common. 
because they are voiced by the same actress. And that Ta-da. actress that actress is Kari Walgren, who you may have heard of in such uh, shows as uh, Haruhara Haruko and Fuli Kuli. She's Selty Sterlison in Durarara, and she is the new voice of Saber in Fate Zero and Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works. I was literally uh, about to like, ah, oh, this is the first time we talk about Kari Walgren, and I'm like, wait a minute, I was on that episode. Yeah. About to say, she almost had a derp like I did with Bridget Hoffman for a second. Derp. Okay. Derp, derp, derp. So, Megan, what do you think of these two rather insubstantial yet still rather important characters? Uh, I think I really want some fucking Burger King. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He is a king that feeds all people. <laughs> There's a Twitter called Saber Says. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I uh, like, one time Kari Walgren went to a Burger King, put I on a crown, and did the Saber voice reading the... He is a king who feeds all... And it's like Shakespearean. It's the fucking best. Saber says is such a fun account. So is uh, mis- misquoted fate uh, fate stuff. <laughs> Which my favorite one, Gilgamesh. So are you a top or a bottom Gilgamesh? I'm an experience. Koto uh, <laughs> Mine, just shut up and say bottom! Oh my god, that's great. It's like my favorite one. I just love Gilgamesh. I am an experience. The man with the mo- world's most irritated asshole. Um, no, it's... It is so weird that she has two characters in the same show that interact in the same scene, but they sound nothing alike. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's very jarring. Because Kion's little sister is every little, like... She is every white bread little girl you've ever thought of. Except for that one time where she just sticks herself in a, in his suitcase. And that created a meme, by the way, you know. Yeah. Sir, we caught oh you smuggling yo lolis across the state line. Oh my god. No, the worst one I've ever seen is uh, it unzips and she does the wink. And then it cuts to Quagmire from Family Guy and goes, <laughs> God damn it. Jackpot. Jackpot. Oh. God damn it. That is the worst one that I've seen. Um. <laughs> That is what I remember that character for, unfortunately. But no, she's she's an adorable little girl, and she's cute, and she's and charming. And then there's the, uh, the Surya. Yes, Surya. Who? I think it is. I think I think I think Keon says it right. That girl has a screw loose, but she's very nice. <laughs> yes, it's very fucking it's like, true. It's just. It's just like, she just keeps showing up because Mikuru asks her. And you always think, like, is she an alien? Is she an esper? Is she a time trap? No, she's just weird. Um, She's just a weirdo. And I like that out of all, like, I like that compared to the SOS Brigade where all of the fucking weirdos are, she has the weirdest voice. Like she oh, has true, this actually. very a very strange voice that she has, where <laughs> like she sounds like a cartoon. She so- this is where to say she sounds like a fucking cartoon character, but it works because she is just so weird. So I really liked both performances. When you think about it now, it's like how often do you really see double casting and uh, <laughs> Dragon Ball but, and that well. Nowadays, nowadays. Dragon Ball Super. My Hero Academia. Shut the f*** up! I'm trying to make a point here. Okay. 
You don't see... My point is, you don't see it often. But I would imagine back in the day... I'm trying to make a f***ing point here. Back in the day, I'd imagine that it was something that happened more frequently than others. So, props to Kari. The fact that she made a little cystic character and a very weird nutcase high school girl very different and distinctive. Like, bravo. Because both characters have a lot have a lot of energy to them do two different kinds of energy though and she's able to portray that very very well and i just love 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 it i love kari walker she's actually one of my favorite voice actresses and i don't hear that often anymore nowadays and it's very depressing because she does just regular cartoons mostly you know yeah she does um, a lot of well, a lot more union stuff today <laughs> yeah she does a lot more union stuff but um yeah, it's a lot of fun. As the sister, it's cute and adorable. As Surya, holy sweet baby Jesus, who gave this child caffeine and sugar? <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Is Surya is like hyped up on something, and right, and it's like, where can I have some right now? Because I'm very, very tired, and I actually like, need some energy right now. <laughs> she's high on life. Life She's high on life. And a nice, healthy under- dose of PCP. <laughs> God. I would... Wow. I do cocaine! <laughs> yes, I do cocaine! Hey, oh, you, I do cocaine! God damn it. That's great. That's great. I'll grab me and we can go down the gym! <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> no. Now but... we need to see Surya dressed up as Dr. Roxo. Oh, God. <laughs> that actually kind of hurt my voice. <laughs> Please do not do that again. Okay! <laughs> God damn it. No. But I got consider- some LSD! <laughs> no, but considering how... God, that, that my file is probably just a solid black bar for that. <laughs> Thanks, thanks. That's gonna be fun to edit. That's gonna um, be what when we ever get to that hundredth classics episode. There's the hurry one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Moment. Okay. But um, anyway, the fact that Kari is able to play two high energy characters and give them two distinct voices and still have such a fun time doing it. Kudos to her because it was a lot of fun. I en- I enjoyed both of them. Though of course, Sudia, since we see her more often, is and is. God, she's fucking crazy. I love her so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I have to agree. Keelan's sister really doesn't do much in the grand scheme of things. I think she kind of disappears. Well, she's You guys didn't watch Endless 8, so you didn't know. But uh, no. she didn't really do much during that either. I think she kind of disappears after, like, the island episode. <laughs> we sent her to a farm up north. <laughs> oh, my God, no. And so... Uh, and so afterward, yeah, she's she sounds really cute and adorable, and she does her purpose for when she's there. Um, Surya defies all explanation. I'm kind of surprised she's not an alien, because good lord, what is wrong with this girl? A lot of things. She's high on life. Life at a healthy dose of PCP. And uh, cocaine! And cocaine! Yeah. But, I do um, cocaine! What, what struck me as odd, especially about Surya, is that she's just prone to random bursts of laughter for no reason whatsoever. I mean, if you were oh, friends yeah. with me, crew, wouldn't you? Yeah, true. 
And so she's just, yeah, it's it's really unique, and at times it can be a little bit grating, but not to the point to where it's just outright annoying. And it's so, not like Asta's Japanese voice. Yeah. No, no, it's not, actually. Yeah, so... I God, it's almost been one year since we learned about that fucking thing, and I miss those memes. <laughs> and it's going to be a whole nother year because the show's, keep, this show's still going. Uh, no, it's not. Didn't you know that's just a conspiracy by anime Twitter? Shh, oh, they don't have to know that. But uh, it, but anyways, yeah, I think uh, Kari did a really good job, despite neither of these characters really doing a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you, I think, uh, will she... Believe it or not, Surya actually gets her own spinoff in the Chibi episode. Like, there's an entire series dedicated to her. Really? Yeah. I didn't know She's, that. like, disgustingly popular or something. Mm-hmm. It's the hmm. tooth, probably. It's got to be the tooth. The little, the little fang tooth. Yeah. I'm not going to lie that because you, we mentioned being grating, and I, I had to pull up the Asta video. Oh, no. Oh We're not God, playing that did. here. Jesus Christ. I'm not. It's on my headphones. You guys can't hear it. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Uh, kudos to Kari for making this work. Um, anyways, let's move on to our first main character. Uh, we're going to do this sort of in a reverse... Uh, how Reverse to how they... To the time they joined the SOS Brigade. So we are going to start oh, with okay. Itsuki Koizumi. He was the last to join. My half, half of my OTPs here now. Oh boy! Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the last last to officially join the brigade. Technically, he is a exchange student who shows up at a odd time, and so Haruhi, the mysterious yeah. transfer student that Haruhi mysterious transfer. Over. Yeah, when in reality he is actually an Esper who gained his powers suddenly three years ago. And he is able to enter what is called a closed space and fight giant monsters whenever Haruhi gets unhappy. Because reasons, we'll explain later. Uh, he is very shut the fuck up, it's cool. Yeah. Shut, uh, shut very, the fuck up and go with it. Very carefree and smiling, and he gets on Cone's nerve something fierce. Uh, playing, Which of course means they fucking... <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, they fucking... Oh, they fucking... <laughs> Okay. Anyways, playing Itsuki Koizumi is one Johnny Young Bosch. Uh, you have heard him in such shows as Vash the Stampede in Trigun. He is Izaya Orihara in Durarara. And oh, God. Lelouch, the other motherfucker. Yeah. And Lelouch Lamperouge in Code Geass. I'm uh, at soup. <laughs> Sorry, whatever I hear. Whatever I think, whatever I hear of Lelouch, that's the only thing I will think of in my oh, mind. God damn yes. it. So, Megan, so, what did uh, you think of Mr. JYB's performance? So, I'd like to call Itsuki Proto Makoto. Proto Makoto, okay. Because. It rhymes, I like it. This voice is very, very similar to one Makoto Tachibana from Free. It is that same lighter, oh, yeah, laid back, more soft boy tone as opposed to. You know, Uryu from Fate Zero who chops up children. Um, it's a lot of Your Fate backs. Zero tonight. So, <laughs> you remember that for... Hardy, you remember before uh, I started tonight to, to, to remind me when we got to oh, yes, this character. Oh, yes, yes. Please uh, tell what us. What does 
for what external use only means. Yes, please tell us, what does for external use only mean? This is not anything related to Haruhi directly, but because Stephanie uh, mentioned that she would, she'd rather prefer uh, Haruhi uh, for Itsuki and Kion to basically use the uh, SOS Brigade room as a uh, BDSM SOS room <laughs> between each other. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. In college, my roommate Sam and I were on our laptops doing our respective thing. Uh, we were we would both be on, like, Tumblr or just something. She reads a post, and she just kind of starts laughing. And I look over, and I'm like, what's so funny, Sam? And she goes, let me read this post. And it was something along the lines of, I hate it in, when in bad, like, slash fanfiction... Uh, people grab whatever is lying around as lubricant. Oh no! Even though, even though the bottles say for external use only. Oh my god! In my infinite wisdom, oh god! I say with the utmost confidence. Yeah, why are you shoving an aloe vera bottle up someone's butt? Mm. <laughs> god damn it! And she looks at me, and she's like, no! They need the stuff inside the bottle, Megan! I am gonna go... I'm not hosted no more. I'm gonna go to bed. I'm going to bed. In my defense, I thought... Oh my god. In my defense, people have used weirder shit for dildos. <laughs> Back on track. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody, and remember, I do cocaine. <laughs> Not really. I don't want to be arrested by the feds. Oh my god. Oh god, I hurt right Scarf. now. It hurts. So, right now. um. God damn it. Apparently that is the second dumbest thing I ever said in front of my college roommate, Sam. The first one is I looked at a duck while it was in a tree and said, duck, get down from there. You are not a bird. Good job. Okay. There was a meme of a giraffe in a tree. It said, giraffe, get down from there. You are not a bird. And I tried Mm. to repeat it, but unfortunately I yelled it at a bird. I was in college. Remember, kids, I have a degree. (laughs) Um... I have a degree in humanities. But no, I really like, I really, and one of the things I really like about him is there are multiple ways to pull off sarcasm. There's the Keon way where you're very blunt and you're very direct and very dry about it. And then there's the Itsuki method, which is to be very, very fox-like, which is, well, you know, and that's why Itsuki is essentially... If Makoto Tachibana was dripped in gremlin juice. Okay, that's one way to describe it. Okay. I mean, because it is a very similar performance. It is a very similar cadence. It's a very... They even kind of look alike. Kind of. You know, if, you know, if, like, you stuffed Itsuki's body like it was a sausage casing. (laughs) Um. And let him wash your clothes on his stomach. But, um... It's a, to me, it's a very similar performance. It's a very similar cadence. And that's a, a thing I really like about Johnny Bosch. Johnny Bosch is really good at also doing, like, hot-headed characters. This is around the time where I'm, I'm guessing he's also going to start going into doing uh, 
everyone's favorite laundry detergent in the show. Uh, everyone's favorite stra- uh, strawberry in the show about the laundry detergent that we purge from our brains. Mm. Um, and it's just very, it's very calming and very soothing and very, like, you know, and he's always, like, Mikuru is the hard person who's gonna be, like, when uh, Kion asks things, like, can you tell me about this thing? And she's like, hee hee, that's classified. No, he's very much the more sneaky person about it. And that's something I really appreciate. And his voice and his cadence and his, uh, the way he goes about things very much bounces off of Kion's person very, very well. And I very, it's a, it's a great performance. Mm-hmm. And again, I really like it because it reminds me of another character, which is probably one of my favorite Johnny Bosch characters of all time. Okay. Uh, Stephanie, what did you have to say? Oh, where are my notes? Um, <laughs> I use them to roll blunts. <laughs> How many times have I told you not to do that? I need those notes. God. Yeah. Um, Bong and a blitz? Smoking a pancake? Shabadadu? Shabadadu. Aside from Koizumi and Kyofi, my OTP, because fucking reasons. Um, I really, I think for me, my one of my favorite performances is definitely Johnny as, um, as Koizumi <laughs> for a couple of different reasons. Because considering the balance of the characters and the interactions that we have, one, he's one of two male characters in the SOS Brigade. And two, because of the personalities of the other characters, his is... His personality is very matter-of-fact, almost to a kind of... Not creepy, but... Like a, um, are you sure you're okay? Like, almost too happy-go-lucky. Where it's like... You're too perfect. (laughs) Yes, there it is. He's up to something. Yes, that's what it is. But at the same time, I feel like, considering all that, he kind of helps break up the monotony of the show. When you consider the female cast, and there's like either very, very high spurts of energy when you talk about Haruhi or Mikuru... Or very, very low energy when you talk about Nagato. John, and then you also have Kion, who kind of has that energy, but also has the snark factor. Koizumi is kind of the one in the middle of all of them. And with that happy-go-lucky, like, kind of mischievous personality of his, I think it just breaks up the monotony very, very well, and it gives a fun little balance to, to the five main characters. And... I'm not gonna lie. Some of my favorite interactions are between, like, bit moments of dialogue and back and forth are between Koizumi and Kion, <laughs> because the the snark is real. Like, they just go at each other all day long with like battle of wits and snark. It's the funniest shit in the world. That's probably some of my favorite back and forth is between those two male characters, because they are very quick-witted and very snappy with the dialogue and Johnny as one half of this duo plays that very very well and it's one of the few performances that I actually think in all honesty didn't age at all like there's no issues with it aging poorly you know what I mean for being a very very old for being an older dub so Mm -hmm. I 
Koizumi is definitely is one of my favorite characters, and Johnny is definitely one of my favorite performances of the show. Here's my thing about Johnny as an actor, is that I was actually very, very critical of his performance in Trigun. A lot of people go okay. off and say that Trigun is one of the best dubs ever made, and that Johnny's performance was absolutely flawless. And I have to, I have to disagree with that. I think that there were definitely issues with that dub, mainly because of its age. But I right. think, I still think Johnny is a fantastic actor, and I think he has a very large range. And what you find him uh, usually is hot-headed. Um, you have your hotheads like Ichigo, and then you have your sort of cool cucumber types um, where they're sort of sinister, like Izaya or his performance in Heat Guy J, where they're like a snake. And I think those are some of his best performances. Um, Itsuki is somewhere in the middle. He has that laid-back persona to him where he's almost, almost sinister, but there's no malice behind it. Like, you can tell he's up to something, but he's not necessarily evil or snake-like. Um, and that's what I really, really noticed about it. Like, Itsuki knows more than he is letting on, and he's sort of playing Kion and everyone else uh, ar around it. So, that's just a subtle thing that I noticed about it. And Johnny's really good about doing that, about you know, playing a character who you don't quite know what's going on in their head. And I wouldn't say that Itsuki is, is sinister or malicious in any way, but I kind of picked up a lot of similarities to his performances as Isaiah or Lelouch even. Um, oh yeah, you can definitely tell. Yeah, like there, he was doing this and it was getting him ready for performances later on down the road like those. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I like to notice. It's, it's a very good performance. It's it's a very Johnny Young Bosch performance. It's Johnny Young Bosch as Johnny Young Bosch doing his Johnny Young Bosch voice. Moving on, we are going to... Oh, God. Oh, boy. It's time, isn't it? <laughs> it's time. Oh, yes. Uh, we are moving on to the... Technically the fourth member of the SOS Brigade, Miss Mikuru Asahina. Uh, she is a random student that Haruhi just dragged into the SOS Brigade because she was cute and she wants to turn her and use her as the Brigade's mascot and dress her up in all sorts of outfits against her will and use her as eye candy and whatnot. In reality, she is actually a time traveler from the distant future who is assigned to investigate the reason behind the inability to travel at any point before three years before the present story. Uh, she's very soft-spoken, very shy, and cries a lot when uh, Haruhi pretends to torture her. Um, playing Miss Asahina is one Stephanie Shea. Stephanie Shea, you've heard as the titular character in Eureka 7. She is Hinata from Naruto and Naruto Shippuden, and she is also the new uh, voice of Sailor Moon. Uh, Megan, I know you have a lot to say about this character. Would you like to go first, or would you like to go later? I'll go first. Okay. When I was younger and on another show, I always had a trinity of characters I hated. Well, at least two for sure characters I, I hated in anime, and I fucking hated them. One is uh, Miki from Idolmaster, and don't even fucking at me in the comments. Leave me alone. I just don't like that character. 
And the other one is Mikuru. And I don't know if younger me was super hard on hating this character, or if I had just grown up, but I still don't like this character, and I'll explain why. Mikuru exists for the sole purpose of just being Haruhi's whacking stick. And her character just contradicts itself so much in that you see an older version of her also played by Stephanie Shea come by who is totally okay with like watching her younger self get like molested and tortured. And she never fights back and she tries to act all like cool like that's that's secret. I, just, I don't like this character. And Stephanie Shea is just doing her best. This is by far my least favorite performance in the whole show because Mikuru does one of three things. Either says, I can't tell you anything, Kion, cries, or screams. And she is just like, one of the things that absolutely pisses me off about this show, and it, this is a joke that will never age well regardless of language track, is in about the first or second episode uh, where Haruhi has, uh, decides to go to the computer club. And she she goes in and in her typical Haruhi, I am I am supreme, I am the most important, do whatever I fucking say way. Goes and says, I want this computer, and the computer club president very rightfully says, Well, you just can't go around taking things, yada yada yada. So she grabs Mikaru and she pushes, she like kicks this guy into her so that he grabs her boobs, takes a bunch of pictures, and says See, look, you sexually assaulted this poor girl. And Mikuru is clearly uncomfortable about this. And this is supposed to, I guess, be played for laughs. And the guy goes, yeah, well, we'll just say you pushed me into her. And she looks around the room. It's like, yeah, no one's going to believe me if I say you guys all ganged up and raped her. Yeah. And they bleep that out of the dub. And they bleep it out they in the dub. They bleep it out. I think it's because she says fuck. That's why. Mm. Uh, yeah. And you all fucked her. And, God, like, Stephanie Shea just, she's doing her best. She's doing her best to do this character who is just, the, by far, I think, the weakest written character in the show out of the SOS Brigade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, though, one of the deliveries that just kind of nails, like, how I think you're supposed to feel like Mikuru, like, you were supposed to feel sorry that poor Mikuru is getting beat up and you want to protect her because the show is making meta commentary on how Mikuru is just this whole Mikuru thing. She's like, yeah, well, I think it's after she gets put in the bunny outfit. She she kind of looks at Akiyon and goes, if I can't get married after this, will you marry me instead? And you're supposed to kind of laugh at this. And just the show is really gross towards Mikuru, in my opinion. But I think Stephanie Shea does her best. She does the... The, the thing that Stephanie Shea is good at sometimes, which is the, the soft-spoken kind of kind of crying and eh, cutesy voice. And I do like that you can tell the difference between younger Mikuru and then the older Mikuru who sounds a lot more mature and a lot deeper voiced. So that being said, I've talked enough about Mikuru. Steph, go. A lot of the stuff you said I have to agree with because Mikuru as a character not the 
most well-written character ever. Um, and in fact is one of my least favorite characters as well in the show. But by God does Stephanie at least make the character much more enjoyable <laughs> than it should be. Um, she's very, she makes it very sweet and innocent, but it can, unfortunately, it, when I was talking about slightly obnoxious, there are moments where Mikuru can be borderline grating at times, which is very unfortunate because Stephanie is a fantastic actress, though to be fair, I mean, I don't know how early on in her career this was. So, I mean, it could have been a few shows in. It could have been the very first thing. I don't know. Um, she had been was, she had been around a few years by that this she point. Had been, okay, at least a few years. Okay. So, that, that makes some sense then. But, in any case, it's... It, it might just come down to the fault of the direction and the fault of the character itself and how it was written that made it at least a little bit grating. It's not a performance that has aged spectacularly to me, but it at least holds up enough to the point where Stephanie has a fun time with the with such a sweet and innocent character like Mikuru. And I'm also not the biggest fan of her being the whipping boy in this situation. <laughs> Um, it's that whole thing with the computer club—it's creepy. Just like, it's very mm. creepy. Haruhi treats her very, very poorly. Haruhi is an interesting enigma in and of herself, for many yeah. reasons. But yeah, yeah uh, in terms of the performance, a lot of it comes down to the character itself not being well as well developed or well written. And it kind of makes the performance suffer on Stephanie's part. And it can be a bit grating at times to me. So in general, I think it's I think it's okay. But I have seen Stephanie do exceedingly much better work. Yeah, yeah I have to agree. I can't blame Stephanie's performance for this I, uh, as much as I can blame the character not being the best written. Um, that having been said, I'm not as harsh on Mikuru as others are because it isn't her fault. I wish she would be a bit more... I wish she would stand up for herself more. I wish she'd be more assertive. The problem is, I think the character is afraid of her because of Haruhi's unnatural abilities. She's, she's afraid to stand up for herself because she's afraid... If she says the wrong thing or does the wrong thing to Haruhi, Haruhi will just erase all of existence, which is an actual problem. And that's the problem with a lot of the characters is that they don't stand up to it's her. More the writer, it's the writer's, it's the writing's fault. Obviously. Yeah, it's the writing's it's fault. The writing, it's, the, it's the original material's fault for, for doing this, and it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. But it, and it probably is really funny to a lot of people. It's like, oh, look at this poor... Haha, <laughs> she's getting picked it's, on by the demigod. I think, I, I think in all fairness, it's one of those things where in terms of the story and how it's written, that part doesn't hold up as well today. And it might have you been a I mean? lot more funny 12 years ago. We have right. to remember that. We don't, we're not as socially conscious as... We weren't as socially conscious as we are. There are probably some people who, who find this really funny now and are probably thinking I'm being like a huge stick-in-the-mud girl. It's like, here's the thing. It's like... I, as a girl, don't... It, this stuff is uncomfortable. Like, 
if the way, like, in, it's a double standard thing. Because honestly, people probably laugh it off because it's a girl doing it to another girl. Because God forbid if Haruhi was a guy doing it to a girl, Haruhi would be written off as one of, like, anime's most vile villain characters. Right. Right. It's all about, you know, tonal placement and the time that it was made and and comparing it to everything else that was available at the time. So, anyways, I there are times regarding Stephanie Shea's performance that I do think it is a bit grating, especially when Mikuru cries. And Mikuru cries yes. all the time. And God, the movie episode is kind of hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, you think that's bad? They make it purposefully annoying in the TV shorts. Like, it is a, it is a noise that should not belong on the face of this earth. It could probably very well open car garages. Uh, so. Yeah, speaking speaking of that, the movie episode Double Zero, like, my thing is with that is I understand entirely this is like an amateur film project made in high school, but for the love of God, was it very, very grating. Mikro can't act. As a character, Mikro she is a terrible actress. <laughs> I think it, that it they played it up so for that grating. reason. I, un I understand the direction and the point, but unfortunately, especially in terms of Mikuru, it mm. just came off so, so poorly to me. Yeah. Like, no, I, I understand I that's the joke, but... Yeah. No, I, I, I do feel sorry for Mikuru. I wish she would stand up for herself, but, you know, Stephanie Shea is just doing the best that she can, considering the character. And honestly, I'll make this... I will say this here... I do not think I would cast anyone else as this character. I don't think anyone else could do it. Oh, no, God, absolutely. no. Like, absolutely. Yeah. So. I mean, for as much gripe as we're probably giving Stephanie, like, there's honestly no one else who could pull this off. Right. And do it to the same same level that it was done. So I appreciate the per performance, all things considered. Also, be I actually kind of like in the movie episode that the acting is kind of really shitty. <laughs> Because it makes it a lot more believable. Right. <laughs> Moving on to our third member of the SOS Brigade. She... No, no, no. She's a member of the Literature Club. What are you talking about? Right, right. She's only a member because she's a member of the Literature Club. Harhi wanted the room, and she was just there to begin with. So, uh, we have Miss Yuki Nagato. Uh, Yuki is a bibliophile who is the member, sole remaining member of the Literature Club after the rest of the members graduated and left her behind. She spends her days in the club room reading and staying to herself. She is very quiet, but she can speak at length when she needs to. In reality, Yuki is a humanoid interface that was created by the godlike figure called the Data Integration Thought Entity. In other words, she is an alien. Her responsibilities involve monitoring Haruhi and the investigation of an unexplained explosion of data three years ago. Picking up a pattern here, three years ago, Itsuya gets his Esper powers. Three years ago, Mikuru finds that nobody can travel back to a point beyond that. Can I make a really bad joke? Sure, go ahead. Three. Three points of light. Three things. Kingdom Hearts. Uh... You will, you will, you will get that... There is one group of people who will specifically Fucking get that joke. Hell. <sighs> Fucking hell. I don't even... Oh, I'm, shit, I'm, I'm sorry. I am such a casual video game 
person. It's no, to... no, it's not a reference to the actual thing. It's a reference to something else making that joke. Anyways, playing Miss Yugi Nagato is the one and only Michelle Ruff. You have heard Michelle as Fujiko Mine in the Loop on the Third franchise. She is Yoko Littner in Gurren Lagann, and she played the voice of young Satoru in Erased. Um, Megan, what is your opinion of Yuki? It's really hard to say because Yuki doesn't talk very much, and she, when she does, she's monotone. She doesn't have a lot of emotion to the to the voice, uh, because as a character, she she kind of grows to get emotions, and obviously she's much. This is kind of this is the one thing that I kind of regret having never seen Disappearance before. Is I know what the plot of Disappearance to Haruhi Suzumiya is. I want to see the juxtaposition of Haruhi of the Yuki Nagato that's in this to the Yuki Nagato that's in that movie. And it's not a bad performance. It's actually spectacular because Yuki Nagato's voice never wavers. Much in the same way that Bridget Hoffman's voice never wavers. And it works great because that's the character. Nagato doesn't really change. Until, or she doesn't very, she doesn't change in a way that is easy to see on screen. The only time I think you ever actually see her have a desire of her own is after is in the episode The Day of Sagittarius. Yeah. Where they play the game and has one of my favorite one of my favorite kind of like moment character moments in the show between her and Keon, which is Nagato, don't cheat. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not cheating. And she's literally Obviously, she doesn't say it like that. And then she's just there programming away on the computer. And because the what... computer club are the ones who are cheating. Cheating in the first place. And, and she kind of kills them because of that. It's great. But um, I really I really enjoyed the performance. There's just not a lot to say when you've only watched the first season. Because Nagato doesn't talk a lot in those, se- in the, in those scenes. Nagato is just very quiet. Except for when she fights Bridget Hoffman. Mm-hmm. So or I, when she's giving thought, it, doing an exposition dump. Exposition bump. Yeah. Which is, like, I think, like, there's, like, two, there's two episodes where she does a lot of talking. But, and I think Michelle Ruff is great as them, but I don't have a lot to say otherwise because the character herself doesn't have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. That's to be fair. Uh, Stephanie, what do you have to say? I kind of have to agree with it. Uh, Michelle's portrayal of Nagato, I think it's okay. I mean, it's... She's, she is good at conveying Nagato's l- lack of emotion. That's probably the best way to describe it, considering she is this alien who is a program of sorts. So it makes a lot of sense going in that direction. Side note, for some reason, Yuki Nagato is part of the Matrix. Take that as you will. Uh, <laughs> when she fights Asakura. Oh, that's right. It's like, What? <laughs> When does Lawrence Fishburne show up as their boss? No, and then what was it? No, it was the um, it was the scene where she's talking to Kion in her apartment for the first time, and it just gets Mm -hmm. really weird in terms of like framing and shit. I'm like, wait, is this the Matrix? Am I in the Matrix right now? I don't understand. But um, no, she does. She does. She she does decently and does pretty good at conveying 
the lack of emotion and the programming side of Yuki Nagato. Uh, it's like, this one's also not one of my favorite performances because there are some points where it kind of also can just seem flat. And unfortunately, it's the difficulty of a character like this where you don't when your character doesn't really have a huge range of emotion or their emotion is there, but you have to still portray it in a way that doesn't is not outwardly expressing it. So it's a very difficult task, and Michelle, I think, did what she could to make it work, and I think it's commendable on that part. Um, though to be fair to Michelle as well, I also enjoyed the, the portrayal of Yuki Nagato in Disappearance of Yuki Nagato. Because I have seen the dub for that in its entirely, and it's adorable and sweet and cute when mm -hmm. Yuki Nagato gets to be adorable, sweet, and cute. Um, but in terms of Haruhi Suzumiya and this here, it's, I think it's good. It's very, it's just extremely difficult to portray a character that's like this for anyone. So, given the circumstances, given the character that Yukito, Yuki Nagato is, and given, again, Yuki Nagato is also not an extremely well-written character, given that circumstance, too, Michelle did what she could with the character, and I think it's very serviceable. Yeah, um, I have often made a comment in critiquing Michelle Ruff's performances over the years that there are three types of characters that she plays the absolute best, and that is... Robots, little girls, and little robot girls. And I think with Yuki's performance, it's sort of the linchpin of all three of those. I think she, she's played characters sort of soulless and emotionless like this before, such as, as Chi from Chobits, if you can remember. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, Chi had a little bit more of an expression... A, a, emotional base to her because she was a bit more higher pitched and childlike whereas Yuki is just flat deadpan and I think with this performance Michelle sort of set the standard for others to to go by when playing similar characters such as this because um, you've seen other characters in other animes who are also just the flat lifeless soulless emotionless like um, like Ray from Evangelion. Like Ray from Evangelion, although that was that predated uh, ah. Haruhi actually uh, by a war large margin. But uh, yeah, oh no, but that's like kind of the first one I was going. Yeah, with. like um, what was it, Rachel? Well, one character from uh, Angels of Death in this season. Ray. Yeah, Ray from Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Right. Yep. And also um, several characters that Brina Palencia has played in the past, like in Sakura Quest as well. She sort of oh, set yeah. the standard. Uh, for the sort of robotic, emotionless voice. And um, Yuki does not have a whole lot to say unless she's doing an exposition dump. Um, you can't really say this sounds good, and you can't really say it sounds bad because there's there's no emotion to it. And people think that it's easy to just play this emotionless character. It's not. It takes a lot of practice to just have no inflection whatsoever because naturally right. as human beings we are wanting to inflect we have emotions we want to uh portray some emotion regardless of whether we're trying to be a solemn or not and yuki does not have that yuki has nothing it's and then to be fair at the same time 
where there are those moments where we see that there is something in there with Yuki, but she still has to play it as deadpan as humanly possible. So you can, you can, you have, she also has to portray deadpan, but have some feeling and emotion to it as well. So it's not easy. Yeah, no, it's, I'd say, you know, with this performance, it's, it's very, very, um, very well done on Michelle Russ's part. I think she sort of set the standard for others to follow uh, for generations to come. So it's, yeah, I, I'm impressed. Uh, are we good? Are we ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. This is my favorite character of this the show. This is everyone's favorite character. Oh my god. Because this, ca- this is the character that basically is everyone. Everyone's yes. like, I am this character. <laughs> We are moving on to Kyon. That's not his real name. We don't know what his real name is. He was given his nickname as, by his aunt and his little sister kept calling him and started using it in front of his cool friends. And now everyone in school calls him Kyon and he does not like it. But he is the primary narrator and the main male protagonist of the series. He is a high school student with a laid back and sarcastic attitude. He unintentionally runs into Haruhi and is the only normal human in the SOS Brigade. Even though Haruhi is the title character, the story is told through his viewpoint, and we he's often annoyed by Haruhi's demands but thinks that a world without her would be uninteresting. So, for our long-suffering, ever-sarcastic protagonist, we are he is voiced by none other than the one and only Crispin Freeman. Crispin Get out of my bedroom, Crispin! You may have heard him as Hideki from Chobits, as Alucard from the Hellseek Organization, and also in Wolf's Reign. Uh, Megan, what is your opinion of Crispin's performance in this dub? There are two things I want to say before this performance. Huh, funny that Johnny Bosch and Crispin Freeman play the two dudes who almost ah! people want to bang each other in the show. Shizuo! Yes! I forgot. I, by the way, as she was talking about it, I'm just sitting there realizing it. Oh my god, there's Shizuo and Izaya. <laughs> now don't and you bring that, is, don't you bring that ship br- that in here. That's a bad ship. That ship is toxic. I'm toxic, you're sipping under. No. That ship belongs <laughs> under the water. No, it like doesn't. The Titanic. Fuck you. No, it deserves no. a sail. <laughs> She's the one with Isaiah? No, that's a bad shit. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. Just go. No, my other thing is this. Remember how I kept biting my tongue through the entire Bridget Hoffman thing? Mm -hmm. Oh my god, what were you going to say? Seems the Holy Grail's out for its revenge against Kyrie Kotomine. (laughs) (laughs) This is for choking me in that church, Kotomine! God damn it. Uh, obviously this came out before that I just I kind of when I had st- when I had heard it was Bridget Hoffman I'm like wait a minute ha 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 no Crispin Freeman is fucking perfect in this show this man is Keon like there are if no ifs ands buts nuts or coconuts <laughs> no ifs ands buts and nuts spots, or coconuts coconuts <laughs> I need to put that on a shirt. Yes, please With do. With just a picture of Crispin Freeman. <laughs> no, pic- just do a Crispin picture Freeman of can s- just a picture of Keo. Just, he- just God, he is so. And and this is what this is what I mentioned. 
I usually hate- I- when I was younger, I hated episode 00. As an adult, I appreciate the living fucking shit out of that episode for Crispin Freeman's performance alone. As the cameraman, who you never see on screen, and is just narrating the plot of the movie. And he's just like, and you're a handsome, humble cameraman over here. Wants to kick him in the nuts, and of course, oh, supersize me. I really like girls with ponytails, and just like <laughs> my favorite thing is like I like when you can tell Chris uh, Keon's getting horny. Yes, because Crispin Freeman's delivery just picks up. Yeah, I noticed that. Da, 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 supersize me, <laughs> and I feel like half the time, like there is, there is to me a very thin blurred line where Keon ends and Crispin begins based on outside things of Crispin Freeman I've seen. Would- the Noween bloopers, I mean. First I'm gonna fuck you. Then I'm gonna fuck your dog. <laughs> <laughs> or of course my own personal favorite one, which God, I know like we keep bring up Durara a lot, which is if you've ever watched the Noween bloopers you know that there is a joke between him and Yuri Lowenthal where he oh keeps yelling about Crispin Freeman to get out of his house. So my favorite, one of my favorite anime bloopers of all times is Crispin Freeman never breaking character in the Shizuo voice where um, Yuri Lowenthal's character in Durara goes, Shizuo, what are you doing here? And he's like in his apartment. He goes, because you're, because I'm Crispin Freeman, you're Yuri Lowenthal, and apparently I'm in your house again. <laughs> I can't believe they referenced that. <laughs> yeah, that's our. That's my other. My other favorite Durara bloopers is, "Hey, can you look behind me and see if the trees are moving, but the building's staying in place?" <laughs> but God, great. he is so good in this, and just the banter between things, just the ban, especially the del- the banter in his own head is fucking hysterical, because it's one really well written, and just the way that Crispin delivers all of it, is just like, "Yep, nope, you are perfection, dude. You." You have job security for the rest of your fucking life. If they keep making more hard, you're set for life, my dude. Uh, that being said, I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Stephanie, what'd you have to say? So it's safe to say what my favorite performance of the, of the dub is. Um. I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I think we have an idea, yeah. Oh, I thought it was Mikuru. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Um, no, I... Megan said uh, basically everything I probably wanted to say because Kion is a very fun enigma. He is the insert character where you self-insert yourself into. Because again, everybody in their mother who has seen this fucking show will tell you I am Kion. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> you know? Is it like a Spartacus so- moment, would you say? Yes, I am Kion. No, I'm Kion. I'm Spartacus. No, but um, because or my Keon... personal favorite version of I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> if you know no. what I'm referencing. No, it's basically the thing with it is, is um, since Keon is essentially the viewer and is the self-insert character, and he's basically the mind and the, the thoughts of the viewer, like spewing out and... W- like observing and commenting on all the shit that's going on around him, because some of the things that Kion will say, it's like, yeah, why, why is this a thing? Yeah, wh- why, why, why? And um, and some of his 
skepticism and cynicism too is rather intriguing as well and portrayed very well. Um, that opening monologue he has where he talks about the opening monologue in actually like episode one, not zero zero, um, where he's talking about how he stopped believing in Santa at a very young age. Because mm -hmm. it didn't make sense as to why. Like, like it didn't make sense to him, like, logically how this worked. So, that was my brain. I'm like, wait. He says all these things. He's actually right <laughs> about this whole Santa thing. It's very interesting. Like, the sarcasm is there. The ban witty banter is there. The... The fast reaction time is definitely there. Um, the f all of these things culminate into a self-insert character that the viewer can just latch onto so quickly and so easily, and Crispin just plays that to a T and makes it the most enjoyable thing I have ever goddamn seen in my life. And it's that it's one. It's definitely if anything in terms of performances that's hold up well today like 10 11 years after the show and the dub came out it's this performance this is the performance that holds up the strongest out of anyone to me and Crispin is fantastic and I absolutely love it and we need to talk about him more often god damn it mm -hmm. yeah he's making that cartoon money these days so kind of like yeah, I know. just like Har like Kari is yep alright well, I've said this quite a few times, uh, and I think you've even said it once or twice too, Stephanie, but there comes a time to where it's difficult to separate a character from the performance that they are. And in, yes. watching, in watching interviews with Crispin Freeman and just seeing him as a person, um, I think that we have sort of a situation to where he doesn't really play Keown, but in a lot of respects, he is, he is Keown. Keown. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and you're right. He is a self-insert character, but then again, you could definitely see Crispin Freeman as a person thinking and saying a lot of these things uh, yes. himself. And he even kind of sort of looks like him in a little bit of the sense if if his eyes were a bit more slanty, I guess, or, or tired. I more think, like, I think Kion maybe, if you were to call it anything, maybe Kion would be, like, a younger-looking version of Crispin. Yeah, yeah, with a different maybe hairstyle. Yeah. Yeah. Droopy hairstyle. Um, I see it. But yeah, this is this is basically Crispin Freeman given anime form, and it's just wonderful. I mean, he all the one-liners, all the snarky remarks. It's just, it's so much fun to watch. And one thing I like about Kion as a character is, unlike any of the other members of the SOS Brigade, he will actually stand up to Haruhi. I mean, mm -hmm. we have this character who. Spoiler alert, she is basically God incarnate, and there's a scene in season two, I don't really want to spoil it, but Haruhi is just being completely unreasonable. She is being a hateful, spiteful, horrible brat, and she does something to Mikuru that is just absolutely r awful, and Kion comes very, very close to hitting her. Um... And I, when I hitting her, I mean not just like a slap or a push. His ball, his fist was balled up. He was mad, and Koizumi stops him. But I like the fact that not to advocate violence, but just to stand up to her when she's being absolutely awful. 
Yeah, he stands up to her a lot. Yeah. He's he's the only character who will tell her no. Yeah. I mean, it usually doesn't work anyway. He gets dragged away. But, I mean, I like right. the fact that he... Uh, Mikuru is afraid of her. Koizumi is complacent with her. Yuki doesn't act because her job is just to observe. Kion will actually stand up. And mm-hmm. that is one thing I appreciate about his character. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is probably... I've been a huge Crispin Freeman fan. He's been fantastic in everything he's been in. Uh, Chobits, Helsing, whatever. But in, in those oh roles... Oh my god, Wolf's, Wolf's Reign is amazing. He's good yeah. So but in all of, it, that show. In all of those roles... You've always he was acting. I think with Keon, he's just being himself. It doesn't. It just comes natural to him, and that's why. Oh, absolutely. I think. Yeah, I think this is probably my favorite Crispin Freeman role he's ever been in because it's just it's pretty much him. And so that leads us to our titular character, the oh lord, this girl. Oh, oh yes, the one and only, this bitch. the melancholic protagonist. Haruhi Suzumiya herself. She is the title character, the main female protagonist of the series, and the leader of the SOS Brigade, whose energetic and eccentric character proves to be the driving force for the series. She's also apparently God. (laughs) She is apparently God, yes. And a bitch! Right. Now, apparently the reason why uh, Itsuki, Yuki, and Mikuru even exist or have the powers that they do, is because she wanted aliens, espers, and time travelers to be a thing, and she sort of subconsciously willed them into existence. Uh, So whenever she has a temper tantrum or she doesn't get what she wants, she could quite possibly destroy the entire universe without and rewrite it without even knowing it. Meaning she has to be constantly placated and entertained or else she could very well destroy the universe. This is what happens when you take a girl who thinks the world revolves around her, and surprise, surprise, it actually does. So, playing the complicated character of Haruhi Suzumiya is the one and only voice actress veteran Wendy Lee. Wendy has been in... She's played roles such as Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop, Yoroichi in Bleach, which she also directed, and the sort of spin-off, not quite sequel, but show within a show, uh, spiritual sequel to Haruhi Suzumiya, she was Konata in Lucky Star. So, Megan, tell us about the bane of Haruhiism herself. Wendy Lee makes her very, very tolerable. And because she's an awful little girl. She is. It's really weird. She is like Umaru if Umaru had a god complex. She is that gremlin. She is the proto gremlin waifu girl. So much the such that they made a fucking religion out of her. And Wendy Lee does a great job getting all of these facets to Haruhi down because. There are actually times when Haruhi is really nice. Um, like the ending of the episode Live Alive, which we'll get to another aspect of that episode in a minute. Um, Haruhi is a very complex character, and there's a lot that goes into it. There's the yelling, the anger, the, the brattiness, there's the childishness, there's 
this sense of a little girl who also a little girl who realized way too early and had this what I'd like to call a midlife crisis. <laughs> That's probably the only way to describe at, that. Like actually. the age of like at like the age of 8. Yep. <laughs> or and at okay, a at like the game. age of like 12, 12 to 13 where She's just like, you know what? I'm insignificant and I don't want to be insignificant. I want to be importante. I want the world to revolve around me. Um, why isn't the world revolving around me? Fuck it! We'll do it live! <laughs> Fuck it! I'll do it myself! Myself! I will make, it in- I will make myself important because that Holy is how I roll. Holy, she's the Moe Thanos. What did it cost? <laughs> Everything. I don't feel so good. Kawaii, kawaii waifu Thanos. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Meanwhile, Naruto crawls out, of the, it crawls out of the pit. Mr. Goku, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Jump Force coming 2019. <laughs> God damn it. Shit. This is like the galaxy brain bullshit from Fate Zero again. <laughs> yeah, go over there, Sarah. Dad, I'm, that's not even Japanese. <laughs> but like, well, Stephanie dies in the corner again. God damn um, it. Okay. Here's the one. There is one thing I have a problem with Wendy Lee's performance. It's not Wendy Lee's fault. If you've never watched or know nothing about Haruhi Suzumiya on the Japanese side, it is like the single reason that Aya Aya Hirano was a fucking phenomenon in Japan. If if from like an American standpoint, right? Aya Hirano sings the opening uh, the opening theme to the show, and I believe she sings the ending. Uh, she she um, and the two actresses of Yuki and put, and Mikuru yeah. sing it. Yeah. Yeah. Sing, yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned the episode by name Live Alive. In that Live Alive serves one purpose and one purpose only. Give Aya Hirano a reason to sing and make more records. I am not the biggest fan of dub singing. Wendy Lee tries her best. It's okay. It's not awful. But it is very clear that those two songs in themselves were a a market, a market device for that Seiyu. I, I like that they went out there and they did it. But that is my one complaint about Hari, is that I wish that they didn't dub that song. And when someone's going to sing in a dub, you need to knock it out of the park. But other than that, I think it's great. I think Wendy Lee gets the character down. I think she gets a lot of the emotions across. That singing segment did not age well. Um, I have my own comments to make on that segment, but I'll wait until we hear after Stephanie. So go ahead. In terms of Wendy Lee's performance, it's it's kind of twofold. Where 
Wendy has plenty of energy and it, she does make Haruhi, for the most part, very, very charming and very endearing. But there's a slight problem and that's Haruhi as a character herself. <laughs> and the fact that she's a little shitlord. Mm -hmm. A spoiled little shitlord. And that that personality, that quality, like that those characteristics in her make, can, can make her come off as obnoxious and bratty. And Wendy does play to those traits. So it's not Wendy Lee's fault when I say Haruhi is a bitch and I'm not a fan of her. Hmm. But that's more uh, it kind of gives credit to Wendy as an actor where you portray a character and their characteristics so well where I understand the love hate for that character you know what I mean right and especially since we as the insert care we as the viewer and we have the insert character of Kion. And Kion is basically us saying, what the fuck are you doing, Haruhi, half the damn time? So it, it, it definitely gives... I have to give credit for to Wendy for portraying Haruhi with that energy and charm to her, but also bringing out the bad qualities in Haruhi, too. Because Haruhi is by no stretch... No, by, isn't by any means a good person all the time. Right. So... So I feel like I don't like Haruhi as a character, but I do like the performance Wendy does show because she brings out those qualities and those traits that would make, that would give a negative spin to this character. Though years ago, probably like a lot of other people years ago when I first watched the show, I liked Haruhi as a character, but looking at it now, it's like, Haruhi's very, very unredeemable at times. Mm -hmm. So, I think if anything, the performance hasn't 100% aged well. In terms of the song, that situation, I'm kind of indifferent about it. It's okay. It's okay. It hasn't it hasn't really aged well, all things considered. It's, it's, it's fine. I don't have too many gripes about it. In general, in terms of Wendy's performance of Haruhi, I don't like the character. And Wendy does very well in intensifying that, and in a good way. Not in a poor way at all. The, but there, uh, there are times where it can be obnoxious, but that's more because of the character itself. And there are parts where it just may not age as well as I would like, but... At the end of the day, Wendy did this character right. In all honesty, she did this character right. Okay. Let me preface this by saying that for the longest time, Wendy Lee has been one of my all-time favorite voice actresses. I view her up there along with the likes of uh, Amanda Winley, Caitlin Glass, Shelley Colleen Black, just actresses who have really made an impression on me and who I'm just a really, really big fan of their work. 
Um, most of the time, most of the roles you associate Wendy with are more of the full-bodied, femme fatale, va-va-voom sort of characters. Let's just get that right out there. You know, Faye Valentine, uh, Shura from Blue Exorcist, um, oh, what's her name? Um, Twilight Suzuka from from Outlaw Star, Yorichi from Bleach, etc., etc., etc. And she sort of... She sort of have crafted that voice to a T. Like, if you need that kind of character, Wendy's there for you. She can hit it out of the park every single time. What you don't see her do a lot are a lot of peppy, energetic, teenage characters. And so, going into this, Wendy is technically playing outside of her usual range. Uh, she's outside of her usual typecasting, which is usually a good thing. Here's the issue I have with it. When this was dubbed, Wendy was 47 years old. She is now in her 50s, almost 60. Um, and that's not to say that older women can't play younger characters. They obviously do, and they do all the time. Something about Haruhi sounds energetic and youthful, but something sounds a bit off about it. Mainly when Haruhi's being really hyper and ecstatic. It just, it can get to the point to where it's grating, and it definitely sounds unnatural at times. Now, not to say that Aya Hirano herself didn't at times sound unnatural because she sounded like something in the Japanese Haruhi sounds like something that's not from this earth it's completely unique and and nothing else exists like it at least at the time that it was recorded with Wendy I just don't think this is her greatest performance that she's ever done then again I am judging it on a, a very high level of amazing performances that she's done in the past and after this um, and I also really like when she goes outside the box on characters like Konata from Lucky Star I think the best times the best parts of this performance as Haruhi was when Haruhi has her brief moments of actual melancholy hence the title when she's being very introversive and, and speaking about the emotional moments in her life when she's not being hyper and trying to trying to um, yeah trying to uh, cause all sorts of mayhem and mischief when she's being when she's actually you know speaking her heart that's the part that I think Wendy really excels at the energetic uh, you know mischievous teenager doesn't sound all that great to me um, but it's when Haruhi really opens up and, and, and you know speaks from her heart that I think that Wendy is at her best in this performance do I hate this performance? Absolutely not I think it's fine for me it's probably actually the weakest in the entire dub and that's saying an awful lot considering that Wendy is such an acclaimed actress in my eyes. That having been said, in defense of the songs, I think she did her best, 
And if you can believe it or not, I've actually got the English lyrics to those songs and have memorized them for the past 12 years. Oh, no, the English lyrics are great. I just think that, like, yeah, it was. it's not as strong as I expected. Well, dub songs, like we've heard Caitlin Glass say all the time, they are very, very tricky to pull off effectively. And even to this day, you get a lot of stinkers. It's, it's, it's a process that a lot of people are excited about, but very few can actually pull off really, really well. And considering yeah. th- that's in this modern day, that's for like shows that are entirely dubbed, like like Show by Rock or or from a few years ago, like Beck. This was done eleven years ago, so we have to take that in consideration. Yeah. By the way, I, I did look it up. Aya Hirano was eighteen when she recorded Hari. Yeah, it was like one of her very first roles. So, and it's it was her. It was her. It was her. It was the role that made her a thing. exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, that's all I have to say, and I hate to be critical of it, but it's probably it's probably the weakest point in the dub for me, and considering she's the titular character, it kind of takes it the whole experience down a notch. Okay. Th- that having been said, I still really like Wendy Lee as an actress, and I think she brought a lot of heart to the performance, and I cannot falter for anything. And could I see someone else playing the role? Possibly. But, you know, it, she is playing outside of her usual type. And I think it's commendable that she brought forth such an honest effort. And that's all I have to say. Should we move on to our final thoughts? or? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So, Megan, take it away. This is a show that I thought I wasn't gonna, like, enjoy as much. Like, I was legitimately going into this rewatch like, oh my god, this is the type of show I fucking hate. This is gonna be a show that I don't like. Yeah, she, she, I think there were a few times where you were talking to us as like, I feel like this isn't gonna age well. This isn't gonna age well to me. And, and, and honestly, like, it is, it, I honestly do think it is a product of its time. It's, it's. But it's obviously hung around for a reason, I think, like, as a touchstone of early, of mid-2000s otaku culture. Uh, Haruhi really is, and we were, I know, uh, like, us as a whole group was talking about it one time, it's, why do, why does Haruhi, like, hold, like, does it hold up? Why did it get so popular? And I think this dub also plays into it is that, when it came to mainstream anime, Haruhi was so different for the climate of 2006. Like, FMA, FMA, FMA's dub, I think, had ju- like was just coming out or just finishing. Naruto was in its heyday. Bleach was in its heyday. Um, Four Kids was still just lingering around. Like, it was a really shonen hype world in that time period like shonen was was more of a king than it was it was today haruhi was just something so vastly different that was like haha i'm smarter than your shonen bullshit look at me being meta and i think the dub just really elevates that and it was a big part of my enjoyment like crispin freeman honest to god carries this dub on his back he is the most one of this is one of the most enjoyable dub performances I think ever captured. It's it's such a weird time capsule dub to look at 
and I it really played into my enjoyment so I, I can't I can criticize it and say like yeah there's obviously like some pet peeve things about slang it it, it in like 10 years time from now will those jokes when this dub is 20 years old as opposed to tw uh, uh, 22 years old as opposed to 12 are the jokes gonna be even worse is it gonna be more of a time capsule obviously I could be rewatching this as a 36 year old and not a 26 year old and be like wow this is weird I like this at one point in my life. God, what was wrong with me? But it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I thought the dub is great. I think the dub is a lot easier to get through than I remember the subtitled version being. So all in all, good job. All right, Stephanie. Yeah, this one's very interesting because this, at least as of right now, this I think is one of the oldest shows that we've covered. Um with maybe Oran as a close second, I think. Right. Uh, and it's very interesting for me to go back to visit this show, because again, for me, it's at least been 10 years since I've even seen the show, first of all. So I already feel old as is. And, yeah. <laughs> and going into watching the show again and comparing it at least production-wise and quality-wise, I guess, a lot of modern shows that we see now, it's very interesting to see how far we've come from a show like this. And like Megan was saying, and I never considered this too, considering the time period that it came out when it was a very heavy shonen like environment is probably the best way to put it. And then all of a sudden, here comes Haruhi Suzumiya, where it's like, hey, we're different. We're going to have fun with this. And they did. They had a lot of fun with this. It's... I think it's aged fairly well. It's not... It hasn't aged badly. There are the small nitpicks here and there that I had where, like Megan was saying, if another 10, 10 12 years go by... Is that still gonna hold up for some people when we find when we get like another new generation coming in and Lord knows what'll happen in the span of like 10 12 years in the anime community who knows maybe by that point we don't know maybe anime will become like extremely mainstream and everybody watches it or some shit who the fuck knows what what could happen in 10 12 years but the in terms of Haruhi's dub it's interesting to take a step back and see where we have come from. I'm not going to say that this is a product of its time. It kind of is, but I still think it can still have its relevancy even today. Um, I enjoyed the performances. Some of them were, even if some of them were grading and obnoxious at points. I do like the directing and writing despite, again, those minor nitpicks I have. But at the end of the day it's a fun show people are going to make of it what they will uh, it's not one of my favorite things in the world it's very obvious um, but it's, it's it was definitely a fun show to revisit 10 years later just to see at least for me like if I feel differently about it compared to how I did back then which clearly I do but it's a fun it's a fun show. The dub I still think holds up fairly well today. 
it'll just be very interesting when we give it another 10, 12 years how well it'll hold up at that point. The show has not aged all that well in the past 12 years. It will probably continue to age worse as it goes on. But at least with the dub, we will always have performances like Crispin Freeman as Kion or or Kari Walgren as Suruya, who will always be, or or even, you know, Michelle Ruff as, Na- as Nagato. They will always be eternal. They, you know, they will always be an evergreen, a, a high point of someone's career, a high point of someone's experience in watching it. And that will never be taken away. Um, will the show be as popular as it was in the past? Probably not. But there will always be good parts to mention. There will always be things to reference to. And I think the show, with all its warts and all, has definitely earned itself an important place in the lexicon of anime history. And there's nothing as timeless as that. And maybe... One of these days, time travelers will visit us and say, hey, this was what you guys watched and it inspired us. So One day the aliens are going to come and be like, what the fuck, y'all? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you do this? They're already embarrassed, trust me. But anyways, yeah. You know, watching Haruhi again in this day and age was definitely an experience. I don't know if it's an experience that I want to... Uh, repeat on a regular basis but it was fun revisiting it and I'm glad that I did and I'm very glad that I was able to talk about it with you two because yay yay. when we get together it's always a hoot are you also very glad that you have the nice limited edition set that I magically found yes thank you very much (laughs) that you also have I got my set for free, damn it! Well, but we have the limited edition stuff with, like, everything in it, minus yeah, the Yeah, but here's my thing. Mine was fucking free. You can't, Ours is out can't of get print, better than, so... Yeah, you can't get better than free, I gotta tell you that. Free is good, but ours is also out of print, which is also yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, we so. the t- the w- version that we have is the only way that you can get the, uh, the little chibi spinoff on Blu-ray. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It was very interesting how I found it because I was, because I should have said this earlier. So, I was visiting home. I went to my local Boo Moose one day, before I went home. I found the set, and I bought it, and I showed the, everybody else. And Hardy was like, "Oh my god! If there is a second set, can you buy it? And I will pay you for it." I didn't find it in one store. I eventually looked up online, like, it's probably at a different store. It was, and I went to that store and bought it and sent it to. <laughs> yes, which I am very grateful, by the way. So. Yeah, because it was, it was very much out of print at that point. So. Right, yeah. It had been out of print for a few months, if you can actually believe it. Yeah. And nobody so it was, touched it. I was going to say, uh, I don't, one thing I will say, though, and I want to, I love Funimation to death. I really do. There's oh. one thing I want to fucking criticize about their release. Oh, yeah. You put this in earlier. Bothers me to death is that for some reason, I don't know if it was a rights thing. I don't know if it was a materials thing. The Bandai release had fucking translated credits. And that bothers me they didn't keep it consistent. 
Yeah, I noticed that, and it, it they even got rid of the English uh, uh, video previews. Yeah, that's just really dumb. Mm -hmm. Sorry, like it's just fucking weird. Like, if I'm gonna criticize Anaplex for being pieces of shit about like the way they're going about the Full Metal release, yeah, yeah. So. so, anyways, that's our final thoughts. If you would like to watch The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, it is currently streaming on Funimation now. It is streaming in the 2009 re-release version, which is completely chronological and includes the episodes of Season 2 interspersed within. Meaning, excuse me. Meaning it will it is a uh, it streams completely in chronological order and yes all eight episodes of Endless Eight are up there. Be warned. Back to back to back to back. Yeah, buddy. Um, also for available for streaming is the Melancholy of Haruhi Chan Suzumiya and the Disappearance of Yuki Nagato. What is not currently streaming is the feature film The Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, which unfortunately you will have to buy. Um, if you would like to watch those on Funimation now, they do offer a account. Uh, it has a what is it two week free trial, I believe. Yeah, fourteen day free trial. I think fourteen day free trial. After which it costs five ninety nine a month. Uh, if you do sign up and decide you do not want to continue, please remember to take your credit card information out or they will be, you will be charged. However, you'll probably be so enamored with the multiple titles, uh, available for dub that you'll just keep your subscription going. Uh, I'm not sure if the show is currently streaming subtitled on Crunchyroll yet. I don't know. If they Let us find it? that out. Keep talking and I will find the answer. All right. Um, also, if you would like to own the series, uh, the unfortunately, the complete collection is out of print. Uh, however, you can buy the individual sets. Of, uh, yes, it is. It is. Yeah, the subtitled version is it streaming is. on Crunchyroll, which you can watch it there. If you'd like to own it, you can buy it from Funimation. You have to buy it in four separate series as the complete collection is now out of print. Um as for us, you can follow us at the Dub Talk Podcast. We have Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitch. And we've also set up a coffee account if you'd like to contribute to the things that we do here. We promise we will not binge at all on coffee and donuts. At least, Stephanie won't. I can't... Nope, we're just binging for that giant Mia body pillow. Oh, yeah. Um... Side note, I I don't know where you're looking. I'm only seeing Disappearance of Nagato Yuki-chan on Crunchyroll. No, if you type unless in Haruhi, it'll pull it up. Unless it's further down because it's alphabetical order. There it is. Yeah, I just Mel literally typed in Haruhi. I tried to, but it wouldn't pop up. Yep. So Nagato Yuki-chan, Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, and Melancholy of Haruhi-chan Suzumiya and Nyoran is also up on Crunchyroll. All right. Uh, as for us, um, Stephanie, tell them about you. What the fuck do I do around here? <laughs> um, if you are interested in following any of the daily shenanigans and shit that I deal with on a frequent basis, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at like anime review with review being spelled R E V E. Okay, and Megan. Follow me at Queener Two, where I shit post. Mm -hmm. And you can follow me at Spaceman Hardy on Twitter. I am also a moderator on the Funimation Discord and forum. So come by and say hi. And with that, we bid you adieu. And uh, Otaku on, my friends.
That's classified. I don't, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Is it because of the cocaine? No. Something else. It's the Thanos. It's the Moethanos. Moethanos. Mr. Thanos, I do cocaine. Good night, everybody. Damage. Good night, everyone.